Hello, everyone. It's MHN Executive Editor Therese Fitzgerald. Welcome to my conversation with Michelle Evans, Executive Vice President and Head of Multifamily at Fannie Mae. Evans was appointed to lead multifamily in August 2020 after Jeff Hayward was promoted to Executive Vice President and Chief Administrative Officer. We were six months into a global pandemic, and there was still a lot of uncertainty in the market. But Fannie Mae was well on its way to reaching its cap, thanks in large part to a digital transformation that Evans led when she was Senior VP and Multifamily Chief Operating Officer. Fannie Mae finished 2020 with a record loan volume of $76 billion. I spoke with Evans just before FHFA announced that the multifamily loan caps for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in 2022 would be a combined $176 billion, or $78 billion each. 50% of that will need to be mission-driven affordable. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Therese. Thanks for having me this morning. Really looking forward to this. Michelle, Fannie Mae has proven to be quite resilient throughout the pandemic. To what do you attribute that resiliency and what role did you play in getting the organization prepared for the unexpected? I really attribute the resiliency to the people we have at Fannie Mae. Never have I been so proud of the way the enterprise multifamily organization stepped up what I, during this incredibly challenging time. And I think back and I reflect about what we've been able to do. We were there to serve the country. We never stopped providing liquidity and affordability. And when I think about what we did in 2020, we had our, a record volume year. And I think the people at Fannie Mae really understood that it was our responsibility to lead. And there was a real opportunity for us to help renters and and the people that were being impacted by the pandemic. When I think about in terms of the role that I played in getting the organization prepared, in many respects, I really started that work way before the pandemic ever arrived. And in my previous role as the chief operating officer of the multifamily business, I was responsible for leading a huge transformational initiative on the digital side for the business something that I was incredibly proud of. And I think about 10 years ago, everything we were doing was on paper, spreadsheets. There were multiple systems. None of them spoke to each other. They weren't integrated with our lenders. Needless to say, I think the old way we were doing things was not resilient. But when I think about where we are today and, and the work that we did over the last eight years, we have now built tools that span the entire loan lifecycle from underwriting, getting the loans in, pricing the loans, securitizing the loans, and then managing our book on the back end. And we leaned very heavily into data when we did our work. So we expanded our capabilities in that space. We also thought about the safety and soundness of, of the data. But we use data today in a digitized format to make decisions that would have previously been done, like looking at paper and looking at appraisals and engineering reports. So today, when you think about where we are right now, we've been able to like work from home. We're ready and we're, we were prepared um, to operate the way we've operated and to do the business that we did. And I think we're going to continue to think about digitization going forward. Data helps us make better decisions. 
And we've just recently rolled out an inspection app that allows us to get data in in a digitized format that allows us to inspect properties better. And so this whole concept of resiliency doesn't end here with what we've already done, but I think this work really never ends. And there's just so much we've done, but so much more to do. And what was your volume last year? Our volume last year was $76 billion. The pandemic and its impacts continue from multifamily owners and renters. What is Fannie Mae currently able to offer in terms of COVID-19 relief to property owners and or residents? Clearly, borrowers and renters were impacted by this pandemic. But before we jump into what we're offering borrowers and renters, I think one of the things that I just like I reflect on over this this period of time that is continues to stick out to me is the strength of this just platform and how our book has performed during this pandemic. And when I think about the platform and its unique risk sharing structure with our lender partners, we were able to really weather the storm quite well and the book has performed incredibly well. So I think one of the things I think about besides the performance, we worked really hard at Fannie Mae May to make sure we were doing everything we could to help borrowers and renters navigate through this pandemic. So here's where we are right now. The COVID-19 forbearance program has been extended indefinitely. It was supposed to sunset at the end of September. If a borrower is in forbearance, they can evict renters solely for non-payment of rent during the forbearance period. So bottom line is, this is going to help keep renters in their apartments. The other obligation that borrowers have is they have to inform the tenants in writing about tenant protections, that there's flexibility on how to pay back the rent over time and not demand that the rent be paid in a lump sum, you know, not charging the tenant late fees or penalties or giving the tenant at least a 30-day notice to vacate. Those are the things that are going on with the forbearance program. We also have actively engaged in communicating to our lenders and borrowers that we're encouraging that the borrowers exhaust all lines of available emergency rental assistance. And while I know that there's there's been challenges with being able to get the monies uh, dispersed, we really want the borrowers to work closely with the renters to do everything that they can to provide that level of assistance so that they can get those funds paid to them and ultimately paid to the property owner. So I know that the borrowers are very passionate about doing that and they are working very closely with the tenants. A couple of other things that we've done to really help out the renter has been our desire to educate them. So we've done a lot with our Here to Help campaign. One of the things renters were really trying to find out was, did they live in a property that was ultimately with a loan that was owned by Fannie Mae? Was it a loan that we had in our portfolio? And we created a a tool called the Renter Resource Finder, and and renters could go online and, and figure out whether they were in a property with Fannie Mae. And if they were, they were given access to the Disaster Response Network, which basically provides free counseling services. So those tenants had this ability to go in and get information on the federal and state housing assistance programs, unemployment benefits. So we were not just thinking about the tenant as 
the tenant in the building and their ability to pay the rent, but what could we do in terms of providing them support in other ways to get them through this pandemic? Yeah, I think I had read that where the, a lot of the rental assistance money was going unused because there wasn't that communication. That's absolutely correct. And so we're trying to do everything to make sure people, tenants are, are fueled with the information and the resources to try to navigate getting access to those funds. And then our borrowers are committed to it as well. Mm -hmm. And recently, Fannie Mae announced it has increased its commitment for low-income housing tax credit investment. What's behind that decision? And how will this help address the lack of affordable housing? The LIHTC business is not something new to Fannie Mae. We got into the business back in 1990, and we were very active in that business all the way up until 2009, when we basically received a directive that we had to stop going into that business, although we had a, a portfolio business that we continued to have a position in. And, uh, you know, back in 2017, Fannie Mae was allowed to resume this business. And so we've done a lot of LIHTC business since 2018. We've done $1.8 billion of LIHTC investments. And really, when you think about it, it's a preservation of thousands of affordable housing units nationwide. For the low and the very low income households, I think it's the most successful program in the U.S. over the last 30 years that increases the supply of affordable housing. It works. This has been proven out. It continues to prove out that it works. It's really one of the most successful tools addressing the supply challenge we're seeing in the country. And what's interesting about it is it supports some of the most at-risk populations in the country with not only housing, but supportive services. So you can imagine we were very excited to see the announcement last month where Fannie Mae's cap for LIHTC investments was raised from $500 million a year to $850 million a year. This isn't just something that FHFA wanted us to do, but I think this really lines up really well with the Biden administration and their desire to address the affordable supply challenge we're seeing in this country. The increase really allows us to lean into these underserved markets and, and markets in rural areas. Um, it's also the ability to provide supportive uh, services. Uh, it also allows us to lean into disaster impacted areas. And so by raising the cap, we think we can continue to build on our commitment in this space. And when I think about some of the business that we've done over the course of the last year and a half, we've done deals in Greensboro, North Carolina, Clarkson, New York, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we've been able to provide housing to homeless residents, disabled residents, seniors that didn't have any kind of support services. They now have support services. And a lot of this business is for people at 30% of AMI. So we think that this program really, really kind of cuts right to the center of the supply issue. And we're, again, like very excited that they raised the amount and, and we're ready to go and we're ready to do more. Now, FHFA proposed 2022 to 2024 affordable housing goals for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Tell us about how those changes would impact multifamily programs. So we just recently received the proposed housing goals for the next three years. And if you look at the housing goal numbers, in every instance, the proposed goal is increased. 
the low income numbers gone up, the very low income numbers gone up, the small multifamily number has gone up. But let's just step back and think about housing goals. We've had housing goals forever. When you think about it, we're very much aligned with FHFA on the need to target our business towards these kind of low income and very low income households. And so when I think about our commitment as an organization, we are deeply committed to affordable housing. I think it's at the heart of our mission. And so when we look at these affordable housing goals that they've set and they're proposed, they're a floor and they're not a ceiling. We have to do, we want to do what's being stated, but we also like to do more than what's being asked of us. And I think our ability to meet these new higher numbers really depends on a lot of market factors. So like number one, our volume cap. So we don't have our volume cap yet for 2022. We have it for this year, it's $70 billion, but it's unclear what the number is gonna be in 2022. But it's gonna be important that our cap is set in a way or at a number that will give us the ability to meet these goals. If these proposed numbers stick, more than likely we're gonna to have to do more. And so it's up to us to constantly balance our production around these goals. You know, we have to win this business, so we gotta price it right, we gotta have the right credit terms, but that's really nothing new for us because we've always had to do that. Bottom line is, is that these housing goal numbers are going up and we're looking forward to everything kind of being finalized, our cap and our housing goals. And I think we've got the tools and the programs in place that are going to allow us to, to hit these targets. And we're going to do everything we can to continue to be a, a big provider of, of housing and finance for low-income and very low-income families. Would you say these goals reflect FHFA's new leadership? I absolutely do think these are reflective of FHA's new leadership. I had the opportunity to really get to know Sandra Thompson when I stepped into my role back in August. So I worked pretty closely with her for almost a year. And, you know, I think the thing that's great about acting director Sandra Thompson is she comes to at least the multifamily business. She understands our business very well, and she's engaged in several topics, particularly in her previous role. But when she stepped into her new role, one of the things she's made quite clear to us is her strong commitment to making affordable rental housing kind of the cornerstones of, of what she finds to be very, very important. So I'm not surprised that these numbers are higher. I think the important thing is, is that you know if I sit back and think about her, the way she understands the multifamily business, I think that she'll more than likely want us to do more, but she's going to want us to do it in a safe and sound way. While 2020 will long be remembered as a pandemic year, it was also a year of reawakening around social justice issues. How is Fannie Mae promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion in its lending programs and in its organization? Fannie Mae has always been a leader in diversity. And, and I actually think it's one of the many reasons people love working at Fannie Mae. I think we've always leaned in to DE&I, but I think the company is taking further steps and really kind of doubling down on our commitment. I think it's become very clear over the last 18 months, particularly as we entered the pandemic. And, you know, there were some adjustments that we made at the enterprise. So with Jeff Hayward, 
uh, was asked to step in as Fannie Mae's chief administrative officer leading the ESG effort where all this DE&I stuff and social justice issues are being addressed. So it's all housed under his leadership. And I think what that is, is it just speaks to the fact that the company is really basically from the top of the organization is really saying this stuff really matters to us. And I don't think it's just talk. I think we are very much interested in, in leading and driving change in this space. You know, at the enterprise levels, we're going to hold ourselves accountable for measurable results on this stuff. That's how I think about it at the top of the house. As it relates to the multifamily business, we're very committed to doing more both internally and externally in terms of making the housing finance system more equitable. And we have been leveraging the strength of our dust network to move the needle in this space to increasing diversity in the industry. And one of the things I'm super excited about that we announced most recently is we've launched a, a DE&I recruitment campaign. And we've done this with our dust lenders where we're really trying to get out there and talk about this business, this field that we're all in with college students, early careerists, with a drive towards increasing diversity. And so, you know, we've got a campaign that has over 100 full-time and intern positions that are posted. So we're seeing a lot of interest in that space. And we can't do this by ourselves. So the fact that we have this dust lending partnership group of lenders that are incredibly enthusiastic, I think that together with our partners, we can, we can start to really move the needle. And, and I'm very excited to see the results in that. On the product side, creating access to housing or promoting resident stability will be places where we're going to continue to lean into. And we're going to continue to look at other products in terms of how we can continue to address this, the issue that, that we see it, particularly around this space. And what might some of those other products be? One of the things we're really paying attention to is tenant lease protection. So what are we doing in terms of what does a tenant have from, from that perspective? The other thing that we're looking at is the screening process. So what does a tenant have to do in terms of getting access to getting into a, a rental property, the security deposit, things like that, along with all the educational stuff that we're doing. We think education is key. But we do think that there's some pain points in the system where we can kind of use our leadership position in the ecosystem to drive some change. Mitigating the climate crisis is another urgent priority. What is Fannie Mae doing to strengthen green financing programs? We've always taken environmental matters seriously at Fannie Mae. I think actually in many regards, we were the pioneers in the green space, when it comes to multifamily housing, always like this business, we incent this business. And I think about when we started the program, and the program actually used to be in the product development space, and it was hard for me to imagine that we would ever have done these numbers. But since 2012, we've done nearly $88 billion of green bonds. And when we started thinking about green we were focused on two product offerings. First one was really around reductions in energy and water. And the impact associated with that was at the end of the day, we were able to, with some of those improvements, 
we've been able to determine that families are saving like $184 a year. It might not sound like a lot of money, but to some people it is a lot of money. So those are the things we've done on the green side. Some of the new and exciting things we're working on are things like climate. And I think climate is obviously, think about everything that's going on uh, in our world today. Climate seems to be right at the center of some of the challenges that our the world is going to have to really address. And so I think, again, Fannie Mae has taken this quite seriously. And we just recently named Kim Judge as our first ever chief climate officer. Kim's been at the company for a while and is very passionate about climate, but he's going to work really closely with us as we start to think about climate and what are the programs and, and how can we be leaders in this space. And so we're going to look to improve our programs. I mean, one of the things we're looking at is residential energy and how it really kind of accounts for approximately 20% of the greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. This would be like a place where we're starting to pay attention to right now, but climate is a real problem. And we think as leaders in the industry and in the ecosystem, we have an opportunity to lead and, and, and really work to try to solve some of the challenges we're seeing. Michelle, one more question. Change is a constant in business and real estate, as we all know, and organizations must respond. What can you tell dust lenders and borrowers about how Fannie Mae is evolving as an agency? Therese, change is nothing new for us at Fannie Mae. I mean, I, I just think about all the change that we've gone through, everything from like working in an office full-time to the last year and a half has been spent working from home. We had Mark Calabria as our FHFA director. Now we have acting director Sandra Thompson. We're in a spot right now where we're waiting to hear what our cap's going to look like for, for next year. Is it going to be structured the same way? Is it going to be structured differently? Is it going to be higher? How much mission business are they going to want us to do? We've got a new administration coming in with new interests. Financial markets are incredibly unpredictable. You're absolutely correct. Change is a constant. And I don't think this is going to change. I think the good thing is we've become pretty good at this. Talked a little bit about our resiliency and our adaptability at the beginning of the conversation. But I think the one thing that we constantly think about is, and we kind of anchor around, as everything's changing around us, is that we're very committed to our mission. Whether it's the affordable supply issue, whether it's being a consistent pro provider of stability and liquidity in the market, I think all of us at Fannie Mae are quite resilient, and we're, we're, but we stay centered on those types of things. And when I think about our role, you know, it's going to be really important to meet our cap and not exceed it. I think we're managing well to the $70 billion number, but our goal is to get as close to the cap as possible. And if we get to that place where it's more, then we've got tools in place that allows us to have some of that business trickle over into the following year. We need to do everything we can to hit our housing goals, our duties to serve. Um, one of the things that's become quite evident to me is we need to make sure that we're very focused on the talent of Fannie Mae because we need people to do this business. It's so important that we offer our people the right value proposition, 
so that they're excited about coming to work at Fannie Mae and that they can continue to lean into this mission that's so very important. But let's face it, it's super competitive out there. So we really can't lose sight of what we're doing for our people. Safety and soundness has always been critical. So we're going to need to continue to take the right balanced risks in the business. So we, we are a big company, so it's important that we have the right amount of capital to be safe and sound. I don't think that concept's going away. So we're going to I think that's a good thing. We're going to continue to build our capital. I spent a lot of time talking about digital efficiency, something I'm very, very interested in. I think that's the way of the future. So we need to make sure we don't stop doing all the digital enhancements we've made and continue to do those. And then finally, I would say just as leaders in the ecosystem, we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to help the consumer, You know, whether it's the renter or the homeowner, um, so you're going to continue to see us lean into ES, you know, ESG stuff and E&I stuff today and into the future. So those are some of the things we're really focused on. Well, thank you, Michelle. This has been really valuable. Thanks, Therese, for having me. I appreciated the opportunity. <laughs>